Well, you're welcome to Living Hope. As we had said at the beginning, my name is Pastor Mona Stevens. I lead this church with a beautiful bunch of leaders who are faithful in seeing the bigger picture. And I want to thank God for that as we start today. I am definitely not alone in this task. I have many who are following, and it is a pleasure to lead. Today we are starting a new series, and so before we start, I want to say hi to those that are online and those that are new to us today. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate. If you wanted to know why we do what we do, just hang out afterwards and we'll tell you. And, you know, we come here to celebrate who our king is, and he's wonderful and he's marvelous. And if you don't know him, I'm hoping that after today you might have a desire to really get to know him and maybe even come to that place of saying, God, I really need you. Um, he can only, he's the only one that can do it. And so I want to pray today and just ask him to give me the grace to share his heart uh, with you today. And I hope you've come anticipating. I hope you have your journals because now we're, we're starting a new challenge to really be intentional to hear what God is asking us to do. Uh, and then we are bringing this message along every uh, devotional with the board in the morning. They are going to be doing and just going through the nuggets with you guys and sharing personally what their journey has been. And during our Bible study on Thursday, we're going to just actually do that inductive uh, Bible study where we just go deep down and we figure out what does it mean and how do we apply it. And God is going to do something because his word doesn't go void. I am banking on a great move in 2023. Amen. Are you with me? Oh, my goodness. Yay. That was scary. Um, I'll, I'll take some while I have it. <coughs> I don't trust it there. So tonight, today I want to uh, open up saying what a, a wonderful thing that we have gone through in the last several weeks. This past week we sent an invitation to take 100 days, a challenge for 100 days, a faith challenge, to, and it's called Intent to Grow. And what we're asking is that we're bringing back basic principles, principles that we know about, but doesn't mean that we actually practice them. And so we're going to just bring it out. We're going to help the people of God to become all that they should and to develop that connection, that longing, that deep, personal, intimate relationship with God that he's created us for and why Jesus died on the cross for. Without Jesus, we couldn't have that relationship. But it doesn't mean that we care for it. It doesn't mean that we, we grow in it. And so this year is going to be a a good year for all of us. So we, we have four things that we're going to do. We're going to intend to grow, intend to read his word, intend to pray, and intend to welcome the Holy Spirit. That means just to learn how to walk with him because the Holy Spirit is the angel. He's the one that God has sent so that we can engage with and walk in power and in his presence. That's what the discovery series is all about. And so we're going to break down those four challenges, those four things that we are bringing forth together. Again, 100 days, that means April 11th, we're going to have a celebration. And we're going to think back in the last 100 days, what did God do for us? I believe if we set in motion, we are going to see something pretty amazing. I know that God is, wants us to have a greater knowledge of who he is. He wants us to develop that. That's, what, that's, that's why he did what he did. And this really has nothing to do with to-do list. Our relationship is settled because of what Jesus did. This is about developing the right steps to accomplish patterns of growth. And we said this quote last week where it says, it's a season of focused spiritual training and active uh, action to grow up in the Lord and to set a new standard for our life. 
You know, beloved, just because we hear truth every Sunday from this pulpit doesn't mean that we're applying it. Doesn't mean that truth has changed us. And that's what I really want you guys to understand. When we observe what God is saying and when we start applying it and obeying and following, that's where real transformation comes. It doesn't come because you're sitting here this Sunday. It comes because you're going to be doing something about what I'm going to say today. Amen? All right. In order to discover God's presence and power in our lives, it will take intentional. We have to be intentional. See, that's why our challenge is intent to grow. The word intending means to will, to purpose, to determine, to resolve. See, spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by osmosis, neither. I can't sit with you and just seep out my growth to you. No, it doesn't work. Now, I can inspire you. I can be a catalyst to you. I could be an encourager. But really, truly, you have to intend to want to grow. And this is what it really, really does mean. It means that I'm building on something. It means that I want to pursue and seek something differently than what I used to do. Again, coming to church doesn't mean that you're a pursuer. Coming to church and going to Bible study and paying your tithes doesn't mean that you are a seeker of God. There's a big difference. Now, Luke 14, 28 says this. This is about the word intend. All right. So which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? The intention followed by thought, therefore, is preceded by action. This is what we see in this verse. Intent, thought, and action. And when we do that, when we intend, we think it through, and then we act, act upon it, this verse tells us, a little further on, that we become wise builders. I don't know about you, but I don't want to build in vain. And many of us, we do, because we build in, and lean in our own understanding, in our own strength, and we build in vain. We see no fruit of what we have done. But when we do it God's way, we do see something miraculous. This is why this next series I called Discover. We will discover what it means to be on the greatest journey ever, knowing God. But it all starts with intentional steps. And the first step we're going to do is we're going to understand what does intent to grow mean. It means really to pursue daily spiritual growth. I can't pursue it for you. I can encourage you, but you have to decide. It's a will decision to purpose, to resolve, to do this. Those two words, pursue and seek, are very similar. Very similar. And I want to just give you the definition of those two words because we will interchange those two words, seek and pursue. And so I want you to see how similar they are and how they do work together. Seek means to search out by any methods, to seek, to find. We're seeking to find something, to gain, to try, to acquire, to aim at. Pursue means to find, to employ measures to obtain, to accomplish, to proceed along a course like a 100-day challenge, and to engage in it. So there's several different things that we see in those two words, but they actually mean the same. They mean the pursuing is that understanding of that growth, and the seeking is the seeking the heart and putting God first. I love this quote that I found about pursuing. It says, to pursue God is to wake up every day digging, uh, eager to dig. 
It is to be filled to the brim with God's love and presence and still yearn for more. Oh, we're not there yet, but I believe we will be. (laughs) Just yearn for more. A.W. Tozer believed that it wasn't enough to have found God. You know, when we have salvation, it's a free gift through Jesus, but it's not enough just to have salvation. He says, it must, we must learn continuously to learn how to pursue him after we've come to found, after we have found him. See how right he is. The only way we are going to get ready for what God is doing, it is that if we commit to pursuing him passionately and to seek him first. Why should we, why should we pursue him? Well, Paul gives us an understanding of why he does it. Maybe we can grab a hold of that, of that example, and maybe it might actually light a fire <laughs> under us today. Paul, Philippians, in, in Philippians 3.10, in the New Living Translation, Paul says this, I want, do you see the will decision there? Resolved, determined. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. He says, I want to know Christ. That's a very powerful statement. He's, take, he's talking about not just knowing God in, uh, in, uh, intellectually, because a lot of us, you know, the, the unbelievers don't know God. The, the, the believers, you can actually have be a casual knower of God, and you can be an intentional knower of God, but it doesn't mean that you really know God, all right? And so he says it is really beyond uh, uh, intellectual. He's talking about knowing more by experience. That means that that stuff that you're learning about God, now you're living it in your life. Now you believe it. Your response shows it. Your actions, your decisions show it as well. Knowing the resurrected power of a new life, the new life that resides in me, is what I need to engage with. It's what I need to understand. Being able to handle suffering with joy and faith, just like Jesus. That's what that new life can do for us. How many of us have suffered in the last several years? How many of us have struggled with anxiety and fear? How many have we struggled with loss and rejection and betrayal? Many of us, we can say it, but it doesn't mean we have responded to the reality of the power that is within us. Because when we say that we can think that that's what we're doing, but beloved, look at the way you are living. This is, that, that, that's my measurement. I, I don't really need anybody to come and convince me. I just have to look at how I'm living. And that really is a reflection of what I believe. My actions really show a story, doesn't it? So Paul, he shows his story. He shows the evidence in what he's doing when he says, I want to know him. He continues in Philippians 3.12 when he says, where he stresses the fact that he's still not where he wants to be. This is Paul. Can we be honest today? Stop being pretenders. If you really want to know God deeply, you got to actually give up that, that whole aspect. Oh, I'm doing good. No, really, truly, this is a journey, beloved. Even Paul says, I haven't attained it yet. He says, I'm incomplete, and he recognizes it. He has no issues. In other words, he says, he has a need, and the only way to fill that need is to know more of Jesus. 
he goes on to say this, I want to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul is saying that Christ saved his life for a purpose. There was a reason behind it. He saved my life and your life for a reason. God has a plan and a purpose for me, and I should want to take hold of that plan, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I want to take hold of his plan more than my own? I should be continually seeking for it, knowing and understanding what it is, and trying to live it out as best as I know how with God's grace. So we just saw why do we pursue God? Well, Paul knows that there is nothing that can fill his need. It was the God of eternity, sovereign. He is the God that is almighty, the great I am. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is holy. He is the one that will do what he says he would do because he's the only one that can. We need to come to this conclusion. Why do we pursue? Because there is no one else that could fulfill us. There is no one else that could actually deal with our needs. We're needy, are we not? Thank you. I love this group today. You guys are all really honest. That's good. So the next thing is, what do we do? What do we, what do we need to recognize in this verse? In, in verse 14, there's work to be done. He says in verse 14 this, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, Paul was probably one of the most spiritually mature people alive, but he knew that he still, wasn't, he still hadn't met that goal yet. He wasn't fully there yet. Paul knew the importance of dealing with today's issues. You see, we, we come in today with a lot of today issues. How many of you woke up this morning nasty? Oh, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nasty, frustrated, irritable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, so we, there's a whole lot of today issues, and sometimes a today issue is because of the yesterday issues that hasn't been resolved. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're getting me, aren't you? And so Paul understood, I need to resolve the today issue if he wants to go forward and pressing forward in what God is asking him to do. He understood this. He also needed, he also knew that he needed to forget what was in the past. You see, I could spend the whole morning just on that thought, but I won't do it today. So many people get tripped up in their pursuit of God because they can't forget what they did yesterday. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes. Yesterday's failures and mistakes are behind you. You see, that's why we are given the great awesome privilege to confess, to repent, and to surrender. If we're honest seekers and we have done this, it's in yesterday. But if we're unwilling to take responsibility for the things that we do, then I'm sorry, beloved, it's in your today, and unfortunately, you're bringing it in your tomorrow. Paul knew that. See, your failures don't have to determine what happens today. Sometimes people stop trying because they think this. I failed too many times. Don't fall into that trap. Go hard after God in 2023. This is why pursuing God can't be an afterthought. It must be done on purpose. Because if you don't know how God is gracious and how God is loving and how God is forgiving, I can guarantee you you won't trust him enough to pursue him. You need to know. 
You need to have intention and you need to have passion. God is calling us to actively pursue him. And the good news is it's possible. Why? Because of that new life in me. You see, that's where I get my power and my strength and my ability and my wisdom to go forward, to press forward. So what does it mean to pursue God? Now, I'm going to use a scripture we use fairly often. Mark 6.33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's about setting our priorities in order. We have to put them in order. We are, we're not very good life managers, beloved. Oh, geez, yeah, I'm just preaching to her today. <laughs> we, don't, we don't set priorities well. But, you know, priorities is a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the, the, the person you're married to or not at all, or the cat, or the house, or the monies. Really, it's a heart issue. See, the greatest pursuit of your life begins when you set your heart to seek after God. There has to be that resolve, that purpose, that will action to seek after God. When his presence becomes your greatest desire, you're headed in the right direction. It's like he said, the quote that I said, when you're pursuing him, you know, you, you get up wanting to dig, you get up wanting to be filled with God's love and his presence, and you yearn for more. Don't we all long for that type of attitude towards seeking and pursuing God? I think we all do here today. The quote, this quote gives us a simple definition, the one that I'm just about to show you, of what it is to pursue God. And sometimes I think we're so hard on ourselves, we don't give ourselves grace, do we? Uh, you, we only see what we don't do well. We only see what we failed and how we've done it. We, all, we only see our weaknesses and our mistakes. But beloved, God doesn't see you that way. That's why he's called the God of grace. He sees you. He sees the potential. He sees the, the abilities. He sees what he has planned for you. And this is the simple quote says, we put God first when we worship him. Did we not do that today? When we praise him, thank him, trust him, and rely on him rather than ourselves or anyone else. See, every time we stop relying on ourselves when we're going through something, you know what you've just done? You've pursued him. Every time I decide not to be angry and pick up an offense, what do I do? What have I done? I sought his ways above my own. Every time I fight my mind battles, in which there are many, and I choose to decide that God is faithful over all the things that I'm going through, what am I doing? Is I'm pursuing him beyond my feelings and my emotions. Let's take a few minutes today and evaluate our life by answering these questions. But before I give you the questions, I want to give you a quote that I use quite often for myself. I think it's a me quote. It's a, it's a my quote. It belongs to me. All right? Your actions tell a story that everyone reads every day. You see, I have a whole lot of people who say, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I know. God is speaking to me. But revelation is revelation if I don't see your story change. Are you getting it? Yes. Mm. Let me say it again. Your actions tell a story that everybody reads every day. So you got to start recognizing that even though you're saying something, if your actions are not following, then you're telling a story. 
Change your actions and you change your story. Intent is always followed by action. The more I come to God and seek him and say yes to his ways, the more that my story that you read will change. Amen? So let me ask you the question. When things happen, do I seek God first with my time? Do I seek God first with the decisions I need to make each day? Do I seek God first over the opinions of others? As believers, it, sh- it would seem that we would automatically keep God f- uh, first in all things. It should be that. But this world is full of distraction, isn't it, beloved? Full of things that pull our attention, full of things that cause us a lot of destructions. And God is asking us that even know that the pressures and the demands of life, they can actually bring you into a spiritual decline. You're going to see next week as I bring you to intend to read the word, certain things that could cause you to get tripped up. But today, you need to understand that if you're intentional at pursuing and cultivating your relationship with God, what happens is when things do change, you're going to change your action. That means you're going to change your response. You see, I used to be a very bitter and unforgiving person. And today, you can't really move me because I've, I've experienced God's forgiveness. And so there are times it's like, oh, no, not doing that. Because, oh, if I do that, my story will change. And I'm here to glorify who, beloved? God and him alone in his ways. It is challenging at times to keep our minds focused seeking on God. That is why we need to intend to grow, to cultivate, to develop, to aim, to resolve that in the next hundred days, we're going to develop something spectacular in order for us to walk well. That means that when I walk and you read my story, you're going to be so encouraged about God. You will want to actually have more about God. Have you ever seen people that do that for you? You spend enough time with them, you say, oh my goodness, I'm going on, I'm reading my word. I just want to do this. Because, you see, you've touched something. That's what pursuing means. Seeking brings you to a place of knowing, not just head knowledge, but you experience something. So here are practical ways. I'm going to go through this very quickly. Practical ways to seek and actively pursue him. So you can't leave today and say, I just don't know how to pursue. Are you ready? Are you going to write them down? The first one is read his word, which we're going to find out what that looks like. you got to understand, everything in the Bible is pointing you to Jesus and him alone. He's going to teach you something when you read the word. That's the first thing. Read his word. Second, learn, uh, learn who he is. You know, we need to focus on God's characteristics. Why? Because many things have affected how we view God. Some of our views of God are distorted and just not plain right. They're not based on truth. I, I saw this quote. It says, we tend to put God in the box and see him through our own lenses instead of studying who he really is and who, what his characteristics are. We put him in the box, beloved, and we walk years telling a story that God is, is not powerful. You see, when we tell, when we have a Christianity with no substance, we're telling a story, aren't we? Who would want to be convinced that my God is more powerful than anything that I might go through? But that's what happens when we do not actually learn of him. Then you talk to him. 
Tell him what you're thinking. It's okay to be real with him. Have an open dialogue with him every day. He wants a relationship with you, and that involves your time and your heart. It's not just a Sunday. It's not just prayer request and, and all of this. No, it's, it's about really just talking to him. Then seek his wisdom. If you are seeking his heart and his ways, you, it will, what you try to do will not go void. You bring God into everything that you're doing, I'm telling you. You might not see it right away, but you've got to persevere. Listen to him. That's a, ne- a next one. Listen to him. This can be extremely hard because we tend to have our own agenda. We say, God, I'll do this, but actually I'll only do it if this does, if you do this. We have our own agenda. We tell God what he needs to do. What about actually listening and seeing what he really wants to do? We need to submit to God in the different areas of our life. Next one, ask others about him. Oh, you're going to get me stringing that guitar again. Community. I've been saying it for 25 years. Without community, you can't grow well, beloved. Community is about sharing, about keeping each other accountable, loving each other, even though we fail each other. I mean, whoever told you that people are not fickle or they, they won't fail you? Where'd you get that measurement? We're, you, we're humans. God knew it, so he covers us with grace and mercy. Then as people, we should be doing this to each other. I should learn how to walk with people in my community and be okay with it. The next thing is that you need to get involved. Jesus wasn't inactive. He didn't come to this world and just preach and study. No, he healed the sick. He got to know people. He equipped his leaders. He served. He was active in everything, and we need to be active as well. Next one is be yourself. You don't have to be perfect to come to God. Say it again. You don't have to be perfect to come to God. He loves you, and he knows, even though you're broken, even though you're having good days, bad days, you go to him, talk to him. He just wants you. He wants to love you unconditionally. But we pursue other things, beloved, and we never experience that type of love. And the last, you need to love and enjoy those times of pursuing. Our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. See, the benefits of pursuing God is that we come to believe that he wants, he wants us to know him. The more we pursue, the more we seek, we get to understand this is his heart. He wants to listen. He wants to pour his, his heart out to you through his word. He wants to speak. He wants to guide you. He wants you to be full of wisdom for that moment, that situation you're in right now. You just don't know what to do. You come and you pursue him. You seek him first. You get his perspective, and he is going to show you how to handle this. See, my prayer with this 100-day challenge is that we would learn how to relentlessly pursue Christ and to seek him first in all areas of our life. So now I want to finish off with this. What causes us not to pursue God? Have you asked yourself that? Remember, pursuing means this. It's to find, to resolve, to engage, to obtain, to search out. Scripture is very clear about the reason why God's people don't pursue him nor seek him first. The first one is rebellion. It's an ugly word. 
I hate it. But unfortunately, it is what we see quite often. I want to show you and bring you through scriptures real quick. Hebrews 3, 7, 8, and then 10. It says here, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the what? Okay, so it is possible to harden our heart, yes, when we hear something and we don't want to do it. During the times of testing in the wilderness, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have, uh, they, they have not known my ways. So there is a reason when rebellion is part of, it's an attitude, beloved. It's not just choices and decisions. It's an attitude. We know that the sinful nature is rebellious. But the fact is there are times and patterns that we have developed. If we don't recognize, it's going to affect our ability to intend to grow, our ability to pursue in the next 100 days or hopefully for the next year and forever. But it affects the way we do that. Rebellion is this. This is what it means. It means to renounce, to resist, to act, and show opposition, which leads to disobedience. Listen, none of us can say we've never done it. I had one amen on that one. The fact is that we, we always do it, beloved. We hear the path that God puts before us, we resist, and we oppose. And we don't think it's not going to affect our passion for God. No, 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 beloved. And then we hear truth, and we go, oh, well, God knows what I'm going through. Oh, if I hear that one more time this year. I don't know. No, I know. I'm just, uh, maybe I should not bring it up. But let me show you Psalm 68, 6 says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. You become perched, beloved. How many of you are so thirsty that you're dying on the vine? Could it be? That your place, maybe areas in your life, you oppose the truth. Remember, how I live out my life tells a story. Read your own story. How many times does God have to tell you what you need to do with your family before you really do it? Before you put it into play? Could it be that area is resistant to God because rebellion is at hand? You will not pursue God while you are resisting the authority of his word, his ways, and his resources in your life. You cannot and you will not. You will not seek God first in your life. You will always lose. And remember what I said last week. Without the intent to grow, all the other actions will not happen. Intent to read, intent to pray, intent to let the Holy Spirit do. And there's a lot more intents too, which I'm probably going to continue after we finish the 100 years. Uh, no. <laughs> I did it again. I did it twice last week. And you know how many of you reminded me? I won't even tell you. And now I've just given you cause to remind me again. Days, days, days. All right, so rebellion is one of the reasons why we have issues with pursuing. Let me show you three things that fall together in one scripture. Unbelief, sin, and disobedience. Hebrews 3, 12, 15 says this. See to it, brothers and sisters, he's talking to us, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from, uh, turns you away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, 
the, the, the importance of community daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be what? Hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, when we keep on sinning, when we know to do something and we don't do it, when we know that God says you must do this and you don't, what happens is a veil comes over your heart and you become hardened. There is no way that you will desire to follow or to seek or to pursue. You get that, don't you? It's kind of simple. And then it says, he goes on, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but says today so that none of you may be hardened by sin. Uh, I, I did it twice. There must be a reason why I did that twice. <laughs> did I forget another verse there? I think I probably did. Let me see if I can find it. I did it twice. Wow, that doesn't happen too often. All right. Let me do this. I, I believe I have to read it. Okay. Okay. Um, it says here, not so that you cannot be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It says, we have come to share in Christ if indeed, if indeed, all right, that's a decision, we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Now, we get moved, don't we? Don't we get moved? Or we decide, okay, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive my husband. And then he does something, and you're, here you go again. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to release that person, and all of a sudden that person does something else, and here you go again. We have to firmly decide when, we're con when we have a conviction to stick to the plan. And then he goes on to 15. At, um, as, as has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now, this is fairly clear. I am not going to spend any time with it. Unbelief and rebellion always go hand in hand. Not only that, unbelief, rebellion, and moral failures go hand in hand. I know darkness, beloved. I know it because I know where I came from. But I've walked this for 35 years. There is nothing new under the sun. These things are what causes his people not to pursue nor to seek him. The last reason that we're not God seekers is pride. I'm going to give you a verse. It speaks for itself. Psalm 10:4 says this, in his pride, the wicked man does not, does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Is that clear? If we're struggling with any of these, these four, we will not be able to seek with our whole heart. The end result is that we won't know his ways. We will not know his will. We will not have a greater ability to trust him in the days to come with our forever issues at times. We'll never be able to let the Holy Spirit guide us into that place of restoration of healing. How many of you have been crying out and saying, God, please heal me? Oh, God, you know, I've been praying for the same thing for 16 years. I can guarantee he showed you out. I can guarantee it. He never wanted the Israelites to spend 40 years in the wilderness. That was never his intent. 
So if you've been actually doing, it's because you're not wanting to change your action in order to change your story. So stop saying something that you're not measuring up with your actions. If you have a gap with what you're saying to people and your life is not doing, beloved, they're reading your story. I want... It's not to say that I don't have those moments. Oh, you've seen many of my moments. You guys can actually read a book of my moments. But if my moments don't lead me to a place of humility and surrender, then my story will never change. And I am sorry, but my story has. And it will continue to change in 2023. I want God more. And I need to intend to grow myself and doing what I need to do in order to bring God into my life so my story glorifies him until the very end of my life. Many, many people will not understand how to walk that path that pleases God and will not understand what keeps them safe if they walk in a pattern of rebellion, pride, disbelief. 2 Timothy 3.7 is the end result of this. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What this really means is that you never acknowledge what that truth can do for you. You see, when we are rebellious, we change it up on God. When we are proudful, we think that we have a clause. We don't have to do it. Because God understands. We don't need to be sufficient, uh, uh, um, yeah, to be, to be uh, dependent on the Holy Spirit because we, have it. we are in control. I, I'm, I'm recognizing that seeking his presence for me and according to the word will always require that we get good at humility and at surrender. Rebellion, unbelief, sin, pride keeps us rejecting his authority in many ways of our life. Therefore, no surrender, no change. No change, no pursuit. No pursuit, no seeking. And the vicious cycle continues. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. What must we do? This is it. This is the end. What must we do? The only solution, if we've recognized, remember, ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of truth means that there's a hardness that sets in where you find yourself excusing your behavior, justifying, rationalizing, defending. When I have any of those things going on in my life, I know already that I've picked up something. I know already I changed God's truth somewhere. I don't know about you, but the fear of the Lord, which I'm going to speak of next week, causes me to be in awe that when God says something, I want to yield because he wants to change me. But he's not going to go against my will, beloved. Remember, he's given us a free will. We have two options, reject him or follow his counsel. Pride and rebellion and unbelief, you will never follow his counsel. I've never seen it. Now, you can have moments, but when God causes you to recognize it, beloved, you need to humble yourself. You need to repent. You need to surrender. You say, God, I'm coming to the throne of grace. Grace. I'm going to the throne of mercy. 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 He's going to cover me until I get this right. 
See, I don't have to get it all right and then get into his presence. No, (laughs) I just understand that my weakness, I will find him powerful if I understand who he is. We need to go before God. We need to pour out our hearts and we need to be real. We need to recognize. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It is a promise. Then he says, cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, we can because we're in Jesus. And because I'm in Christ, I never worry when God shows me attitudes of rebellion or my arrogance that comes out when I think I'm doing something when it's really God that's done it. I get it. But these things will cause us not to pursue. So I want you to stand. To submit to God, to draw near, is to recognize your weakness. To stop fighting and to surrender to him as your final authority. To draw near to God is to come into his presence with with prayers, with praise, with obedience. You draw near to him because of what Jesus did. Don't wait until you figure it out. If God says, come to me. You will find me. Jeremiah says, you seek me with your whole heart. You will find me. But today, if God has put this on my heart, that you may recognize why you have issues with seeking and pursuing. Beloved, it is not time to sit still. It is time to move. Action. And that action is you take a step. So while we sing this song, take that step. God, I recognize the rebellion in me. God, I recognize the unbelief. I don't believe. I'm not willing to believe and embrace truth. I am so full of disbelief. I believe lies more than I believe God. But I'm finished with that today. My rebellion has no end. My pride and my self-sufficiency causes me to fight by myself. No more am I fighting by myself. I'm coming today. This is your action. You want to change your story. Change your action. Come to him. As believers here today, we can sense God's love and his compassion for those who didn't get this right. You know, I've had moments like that over and over and over again because I am guaranteed his grace and love and forgiveness when it's time for me to be invited to draw near to him and to take action and to repent, to turn away from those things and surrender it to God's faithful hands and then choose to continue to walk glorifying him now trying to be obedient as best as I know how. He has never failed me, beloved. You got some here today that you might not even have the God of peace that I'm talking to you about today. You know, God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. But there is an issue that we can't come to Jesus until we understand that Jesus died and rose again. That means that he took your sin upon his shoulders. And the only way that you can be forgiven, that separation could be done away with, is that you have to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. When you do, he comes into your life. He dwells with you. He guides you. He directs you. And he gives you all that you need to be restored to him first and then to others It's amazing. It's a mystery. 
But then when we do this, what God says is that you need to come to him and say, God, now I have salvation today, but I want lordship. That means that if I have rebellious issues, I need to know how to go and get your perspective on this. I don't want to walk rebelliously towards God. I want you. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I need a Savior today. And I ask you to come and be my Lord. And when you are sincere with that prayer, God ushers in a grace for you at the beginning to understand how is it going to be your journey. God has been amazing to us this year, and he'll be amazing to us again in the year 2023. We have, to our line, we have to line ourselves up first. We have to accept the free gift of salvation through Christ by seeing our need and acknowledging we can't do it, but he can. And then for us who know Jesus, we have to realize he is Lord and he has a plan and he loves us and he wants to cover us. Trust him, beloved. I want to thank you for coming in today. I hope you will follow this series. I think God is going to open many things for you guys as we go into the 100-day challenge. If you want to know more, go to our website. Go to our One Body. You're going to find out a little bit more how we're doing this. Please join us as we go forward and say, God, we are not, we're not settling for less. You want it all. Amen? May God go with you. May he bless you. In Jesus' name. You might be asking yourself why the Christmas story is so important. Why is the nativity story for today and not just for Joseph and Mary, the shepherds and the wise men many years ago? Why do we need to believe in Jesus today? We should believe in Jesus because he believes in us. Jesus was God in the flesh and he loved us so much that he came to earth for you and for me. He believed in us enough to appear as a human being who was like us in every way, except without sin. John 1.14 says, And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus invites us to a life that makes sense and gives us the only workable strategy for living a happy and fulfilling life. Looking out for our own interests leads to self-destruction and despair. When left to our own devices, we are sinful people who go against God's truth for us. Yet, Jesus spoke of living by love and unselfishness. He showed us that life is fuller and more satisfying when we devote ourselves to loving and serving one another. John 15:12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus lives today, and he longs to live within us 
Jesus is just as alive today as he was in the first century. And we can have a much closer relationship with him than those who knew him when he walked the earth. When it came time for him to leave this world, Jesus told the disciples that the Holy Spirit would come after he left. If Christ becomes our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit permanently makes his home within us. We are never alone, nor are we left to our own limited resources. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Because God is holy and just, he must deal with our sin, the wrong things we do. God loves us so much that he made a way to rescue us from sin. He sent his son Jesus to earth, and Jesus' mission was to rescue us. Jesus rescued all of us from sin by living a perfect life, dying on the cross, and rising again on the third day. He took the punishment for our sins so we could spend eternity with God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 The gift of salvation is free. To receive God's forgiveness, you simply just need to ask him to forgive you for your sin. And here is a simple suggestion for you to pray. Jesus, I believe in you. I know that you have loved me from the beginning. And now I choose to love you too. I realize that when you died, you had my sins in mind. And I cannot live a life of joy and peace apart from you. So I accept the gift of your forgiveness and rejoice that my debt of sin is paid in full. Come into my life and guide me for the rest of my days. I now belong completely to you and I will follow you as my Lord and my Savior forever. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, let me be the first to say, congratulations! We encourage you to find a local church family to help strengthen you as you walk forward in your faith. We would be honored to welcome you to Living Hope Church. May God bless you this Christmas.